Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement podcast. Now, we're nearing the start of the traditional school year. It's, it's early August. And back in June, I was at this online virtual conference um, put on by an organization called Arrow. And there was this presentation that really caught my attention. And it's about, it was about this new school, which was really a first of its kind. Uh, it's something I never really heard of before, an online Montessori school for middle and high school grades. This school is called Bridgemont International School, and it provides an alternative for secondary students who want to graduate from a Montessori high school, but don't have that option in their community. As we're seeing now, especially with COVID, as students discover that you know learning online at home and in the local community can work, Bridgemont is aiming to offer much more than just your typical homeschool program. So I'm delighted to have two guests with me today, Dr. Robin Howe, who is the director of Bridgemont, and Danielle Parker, who's one of the lead teachers at Bridgemont as well. We're going to explore the world of Montessori education, which for me, I don't have a lot of knowledge about, so I'm really excited to, to learn more, and especially about Bridgemont, this exciting new initiative in the online education space that's uh, launching this fall. So Dr. Well, <clears throat> Dr. Robin and uh, Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Thanks for thanks for inviting us on and having us. I think we're both excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, I mean, this this show is is all about highlighting, you know, choices for education choices for parents, you know, who who want um, something that fits, you know, the direction and and the the lifestyle and values for their family. So I'm really excited to explore this for me, which is really um, a world I haven't really delved into too much. So. Um, Today, let's let's take a, a deeper look first by um, starting with with Montessori. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners have heard about it. I've certainly a little bit familiar with it too. But um, maybe, could you try and give us like a kind of like the, the sixty second description, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's a, the elevator speech, right? So, um, right. so Montessori is a is a is a, uh, a an approach to education that's over a hundred years ago. Obviously, well, not obviously. Many people are familiar with Dr. Maria Montessori, and many people believe that she was actually the first uh, female physician in Italy. It's actually come to turn out that she may not have been the first female physician. But bottom line is, because she was a woman back in the early twentieth century, um, and you know, just many years ago, they put her with children because, of course, she was a woman. So, as a scientist and what we would now call a neuroscientist, um, she looked at children differently. She was not a typical teacher at the time where basically said, okay, let me demonstrate to you, let me do things and you follow my lead. So she approached education very differently and sort of noticed how children's natural tendency to learn is. And um, you know, she, she was put in a, in a situation with, school, with children that uh, were, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, disadvantaged. Uh, many students that had uh, some, you know, different challenges, things that we call now called uh, learning challenges. But bottom line is, she re- she approached children as a scientist and basically developed a curriculum for young children. And then, as her as her method progressed, older children that really appeals to how children naturally learn and how children naturally develop. So in Montessori, what our goal is as as trained Montessori guides or teachers is really to just provide the opportunity for and the environment for children to learn. So what that means is, you know, instead of being the sage on the stage where, you know, we're talking at students and telling them what they ought to learn, we're preparing, you know, we're preparing environments for them to engage in, you know, engage in activities that are developmentally appropriate that 
can essentially maximize their learning. And so, of course, that looks different for a, a student that's 18 months than somebody that's 18 years. And so, but it still follows that same principle. We are trying to prepare them and we, and we are trying to provide them the opportunity to learn. And so at our school, Bridgemont International School, where we're starting with seventh and eighth grade and then adding through high school, we're attempting to do that online through really deliberate experiences and really deliberate learning opportunities. But um, that was a little more than 60 seconds. But I think that captured sort of <laughs> at least what I think is, is the important piece. But actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to add one other thing. Many people don't realize that Montessori actually goes above, you know, a six, six year, six year olds, right? Many people, when they think of Montessori, that was actually, yeah, like I, that was one of the things that made my, my jaw drop a little bit, or, you know, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I, you know, I never thought of Montessori beyond, you know, sort of preschool and, and the early grades. The preschool program or the early childhood program, the three to six classes, as we call it. So of course, well, not of course. Montessori has mixed-age classrooms, and we could talk a little bit more about that if you, if you want to go down that road, too. But many people just think of Montessori for those early years because you have those beautiful classrooms with those beautiful materials, and you see videos of kids working with manipulatives, and it's really, it's really eye-catching. But the reality is Montessori, well, Dr. Montessori and the method itself changes as children get older because children have different cognitive abilities, they have different needs, and so as students get older, the, the reliance on the manipulatives or the materials changes, which is why, especially at the secondary level, we can have what we believe is a truly authentic program from a virtual environment. But again, sort of going back to this idea, many people have just had no idea that elementary or that Montessori even exists at the elementary level, and certainly not uh, have, have no idea that Montessori exists through high school and, and middle school, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I'd be curious to know, um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, all parents want, you know, our, their kids to be successful in life and, you know, beyond their schooling and, and, and so on. And you know, there's different models and approaches out there. And, um, and what you just described to me, I, I could see some similarities, at least in, in attempt by like the self-directed education model or unschooling, for example. So what, what would be the specific elements of Montessori that kind of sets it apart from you know, some of these other approaches and that you feel are, from a Montessori perspective, are kind of really critical and essential for children's development. So I'm going to, so Daniel, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, I'm going to tackle it first from one direction and I want you to tackle it too. So one of, one of the big things that I think sets Montessori apart and is very different than, um, well, most, I don't want to say all, but most other approaches is that Montessori really is a child honoring child honoring method and philosophy. So a child at one day, 18 months is still a person, right? So this is, you know, Montessori from the earliest child really aims to, to develop a child's independence, self-confidence, and, 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 and we do that by really this philosophical approach that children, even if they're young, are people. And so when we're dealing with children, even the youngest children, we're doing things to really not dominate. So even like something simple like diapering, which everybody says, why are you talking about diapering? This is a middle school program. But, you know, in Montessori, for example, we engage the children in that process. So, you know, go get your diaper from your cubby. Stand up, stand up diapering versus standing over them and doing it in like, in, in sort of dominating. So it's really the whole... The, more the participatory. Yeah, more participatory, but it's more child honoring. So even if they're young children, mm -hmm. 
they are people. And so how can we really respect the person that mm-hmm. that child is and not, not sort of say, okay, well, there's just a two-year-old or there's a three-year-old. It's, it's whatever. These are kids. So at each, at each um, age, that looks different. So, for example, as they get into our adolescent programs, you know, we go through this. We're, we're basically bridging that gap between childhood and adolescence. So how do we still honor that child? How do we give them opportunities to start participating as a as a member of society rather than, again, sort of saying, okay, you're a teenager, I'm going to talk at you, I'm going to tell you what you need to learn, even in terms of how we deliver academics and how we you know, give them skills. We try to use as much of their own interest um, rather than us arbitrarily saying, okay, you need to learn this or you need to read this. And so there's a lot more, it's, there's a lot more about the child that really goes into their educational experience. And, right. and and then the only other piece, and then Daniel, I want you to chime in, is that we recognize that education, capital E, or is a lot more than bestowing information that you can use to pass a test and get into a good college. Education really means a preparation for life, not a preparation for college necessarily, because it may not be that college is the right track. So we want to prepare you for life, not just give you the skills to play the game called school. Yeah, one of the things... Um... And perhaps, Daniel, you can expand on this, too, that I'm curious about is because I was, I was looking ahead of time, right, because I'm, I'm f- much more familiar with, you know, the, un- the unschooling method, which which I've I've used. Um, we've adopted a lot in our family um, and, you know, like self-directed education and so on. And what one thing that struck me from what I was reading is one is there's there's this particular focus on certain types of learning, I guess, if you will, and, and there's a bit more structure to it. And in particular, one thing I, I just pulled off, I think it was right off of your Bridgemont website, was this notion of um, an education syllabus, which consists of integrated academic components in three areas, um, self-expression, emotional development, and preparation for adult life. And that kind of caught my attention. So... Danielle, I'd be curious to to hear more about that and and anything else you'd like to talk yes. about. Yes, well, um, you know, I have worked in education in in several capacities. So I've been the tradition. I've been trained traditionally. I worked in a traditional high school and middle school, and then um, you know found that wasn't so as fulfilling as I wanted. And so I switched to informal education, working at county parks or aquariums or animal shelters. And um, this is where Montessori grabbed me because in my ideal world, I love the format of informal education because I can do fun stuff and I don't have to just write on the board and they don't have to just take notes from me. Uh, But in informal education, I can do all the fun stuff and I only see a group one day for an hour at a time and then they leave. So I loved the freedom of that, but I wanted to build relationships that you do when you're in the classroom with the same group of students, you know, over a year or more. Uh, And that's where Montessori got me because it seemed like it was the best of both worlds, just all together. And that's what it's been for me. And everything Robin talked about, um, I second. Uh, I'd like to add what, what pulled me into 
into uh, the secondary realm. So secondary Montessori starts at seventh grade, you know, goes up through 12th grade, through high school, and it shifts. There's a big shift between, you know, upper elementary, which is uh, four, five, and six grades, and then they would jump up to secondary. And uh, the, the most wonderful thing for me is that it's all centered around science. So Maria Montessori was a doctor, and every single thing that I was trained to do as a secondary Montessori teacher is because of neuroscience, neurobiology. So uh, a lot of my training folk, we had to read so many books, Jerry, about uh, brain science and about adolescence and what's happening in their brains. And if anyone walked into my classroom and said, why are you doing that? I have an answer. It's based on what's happening in their brain. Everything ties back to that. And so when we think about, you know, education, they switch up to seventh grade to the secondary level. They're suddenly able to uh, get into the world of abstract thinking as opposed to concrete thinking where they need the blocks, they need the materials. So we're just sort of stepping into a new realm and their brains are undergoing just sort of really ridiculous and amazing changes. And we're trying to take advantage of that. And so, you know, seventh and eighth graders and on up, they want to think. And the mm -hmm. area of the brain that is focused on creativity is it was mature. It's already mature. We find that seventh and eighth graders in particular have amazing skills at thinking outside the box. So um, as a teacher, I'm always thinking, okay, we got we got to go outside the box now because never again in your life will you have the ability that you have right now. So I know um, I feel like when I tell people I teach middle school, there's always sort of <laughs> there's always some silence, maybe sort of like a sad nod to the head. <laughs> um, empathy. Yes. <laughs> but to me, I think you have no idea. You have no idea what you're missing out on because. Yeah. Let's 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 dive into that a little bit. So, if I was to walk into your classroom, you know, and you know, you're working with middle schoolers, um, what what might me see that would seem a little unusual or surprising that that helps to foster this creativity or out of the box thinking? Sure, sure. Well, um, I'd love to tell you I started the secondary program at the school I worked at in Charleston, South Carolina, and um, it was sort of a story of fortunate, unfortunate, uh, the school was not ready for the start of the year. We had no furniture. And, uh, and I thought this is, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And we walked in that first day and I had to sort of apologize. We had no chairs. We, we had no tables. And, oh, um, and the students were like, eh. Yep, I got this. And, um, and we got some pillows and they sat on the ground and they propped themselves up and they were not upset in any way. And, uh, yeah. no, it didn't. And then, you know, maybe eight weeks later, they delivered furniture and we were all upset. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's in a way took away this this freedom we had. So right, I th right. I think the big thing you would notice when you walk into uh, any Montessori classroom, but uh, speaking from my standpoint, a secondary Montessori classroom is everyone's doing something slightly different, and it's because mm. they chose to do that. So 
Uh, to me, the big thing is freedom within limits. So they're told, for example, you're going to do an experiment. You're going to make up an experiment. It's going to use these materials. Here are a list of questions you can try to answer. Go do that. Uh, and so there's structure, but then freedom. You decide how you're going to do that. And when you run into problems, you will ask for help. And I will be there to help you. Fantastic. And and how how are how are uh, like evaluations and things done in, in a Montessori context? Like I, I don't believe you use like standardized tests and things like that, correct? I'll I'll do a little bit, and then if if I miss anything, you got it. Uh, well, it's uh, my co-teacher Emily and I just sat down to talk about assessments for this coming year, and uh, and it was so fun because she shared her assessments and I shared mine. Uh, so it will it varies a little bit based on the subject matter matter as you know you can imagine. Uh, for science, uh, the assessments uh, just once a quarter. So just that last week of the quarter, we're, we're not doing tests and quizzes the, the whole way through, uh, sort of just projects that are happening throughout to that projects that they've chosen and to make sure that we're on track, that we're understanding. Uh, and a lot of assessment is discussion. So uh, let me ask a really interesting question and let's talk about it. And as the teacher, I can really gauge Oh, how, okay. How are they feeling with the material? You know, if, if they can engage with the questions I ask, then I'm, I will feel pretty good about their understanding. Uh, but when it comes to that last week of a u the unit, for us, it's the quarter, uh, you know, in, in language and history of uh, the assessments were very, um, like here's different. It was very project driven, uh, for science. I'm trying to get them accustomed to what it's like to take a test because this is a life skill and we are preparing them for life. So, you know, it's a mixture of different types of test questions, you know, short answer, illustrations, you know, uh, and the, the points, for example, that you could earn on one of my science tests might be 65, but I'm only going to grade you out of 50. So you choose. Uh, which questions you feel most confident uh, because Jerry, to be honest, I don't remember everything and I'm really smart. So yeah. why, why am I expecting perfection? Well, and as you pointed out earlier in the end, it's not education is so much more than knowledge, especially in the age of Google. Right. So, and, and in my understanding, at least in a little bit that I've did some research before for this interview, um, yeah, so you're looking a lot more at the like the whole person, like emotional development as well, which you know is not something that's going to be you know graded on a on a test. So, um, Dr. Robin, do you want to yeah? Expand on that um, a little so, bit well, a couple of things. One, just one of the cool things, and we made this decision um, as a team actually. You know, when we're looking at assessment, especially in middle school and high school, it becomes tricky even in Montessori because parents and students, and I'm, I'm going to use a term that actually I came up with many years ago, but I really like it, so I'm going to share it again here with your audience, is parents have these things that have mutually exclusive dual wants. What I mean by that is like, man, I love Montessori. I love the freedom. I love that my kid can be themselves and, you know, just, and that you're not, you're, you're not just a number, but then on the, but, but seriously, how are they doing? Are they ready for college? It's like, <laughs> oh, I love it, but let me hear. And then it's like, you know, I don't really care about grades, 
but my neighbor's in a double accelerated math class. Is he doing the same thing? So mm-hmm. it's like they sort of mm-hmm. live in these both of these worlds, and especially with like where education is going now, where where people like sort of can't help but get drawn in about that. Is my kid going to be prepared for college? Are they going to be? And so one of the things that we made the decision is like in our assessment plan, like those tests that Danielle Danielle's talking about, our students are going to have the opportunity if they don't get a score that they like. I'm not saying they don't have a they get a failing score, but if they don't accomplish what they want, they're going to have the opportunity to try again and and do things differently because ultimately this is about their success. And one of the things that we haven't talked about, but I think is really important, is a key goal of Montessori is to develop a child's intrinsic motivation. So what I mean by that is like, we don't want you to go and shoot for the highest grade on the score because you want to be valedictorian. We don't want you to do it because you, we want you to feel pride in your work and we want you to want to learn. So that's one thing. And so um, I just wanted to add that to what Danielle said. But in terms of just the general idea of assessment, there are many different ways to assess things. And so I'm actually opening up to things. Like right now, I'm assessing you. I'm getting to know you. I'm, you know, like, so we can't help but assess. And so even in academia, authentic assessment, observation, is a recognized form of authentic assessment. And so as Montessorians, even with young students, we are constantly observing and we're constantly experiencing. So for younger kids, that looks different. But what we do more as children progress is we engage them in, well, some might call it Socratic dialogue, but we're engaging them in conversations that not only helps us understand whether or not they you know, understand a concept, right? Like, um, you know, let, let's, let's take something like the Civil War. We're, if we're studying American history, the Civil War is an important, important piece of history, and yes, is it important to memorize a date? I mean, I don't even want to say yes. I mean, I don't remember dates, but what's more important is understanding contextually, you know, why did that happen and how is that relevant to my life? So it's not just saying, okay, the Civil War happened and it's because of slavery and people didn't think it was right because it was much more than that. And so what we'd want to engage our kids is a conversation that goes deeper than that and says, right. okay, so, you know, Civil War was about something more than just something's right and something's wrong. Yeah. So it's not just about ethics, it's about economics, it's about ethics. And how does that, is that something that has existed over time? Why have people over you know, the many thousands of years since the origin of civilizations, why have people sought to dominate? Does this currently exist? Why is this pertinent to my life right now? So again, develop a much deeper sense of how, of, of A, what happened, but why is it important for my life? And so if you think about things like Bloom's Taxonomy for Higher Order Thinking, our job as educators is to prepare them, again, that prepared environment, that prepared experience, for them to go back and think d- deeper and use information. And use right. that information to drive their, their, you know, their experience as human beings. So again, it's just like, just very different. Right, yeah, so, so you're looking more at well, I guess a couple of things. So, so one is clearly tying it to, you know, how is it relevant to me ties back to, you know, intrinsic motivation, clearly, you know, um, it's got some, some purpose, some, some use. Um, but yeah, but in terms of evaluation, really looking at, you know, from a Montessori perspective, kind of those core, you know, life skills that we all need to have in terms of trying to discern discernment, right. And, and making sense of things and, um, helping that to make, uh, inform, informed choices. So, Fantastic. I mean, I think I, I, one thing that's kind of like an important key too, and I didn't share this earlier, but like our goal at each level in Montessori and certainly in our school here is to make sure that they're prepared for whatever the next level is. And so, of course, if we're 
talking about middle schoolers and high schoolers, and I talked a little bit earlier about that transition from being a child to an adult, right, in adolescence and being prepared, they need, like, we believe that they need a lot more than just being able to, you know, uh, recite dates or, or na name the periodic table, but like, you know, there's, there's a lot more to education and preparation. Yeah, and I, th I think you've got a <laughs> you've got plenty of people uh, listening who are, and that's why they're listening, right? They're they're looking for options like what you're talking about because they they know that life is a lot more than just knowing facts and information. So let's let's I'd love to dive now into this fascinating project that you have um, you've birthed, um, Bridgemont. So why 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 Bridgemont? Why why choose to undertake this? Um, this initiative to, to bring um, Montessori um, post or um, high school education and middle school online. Well, it's um it's actually you know many people obviously if you think of the timing many people say oh well COVID, COVID uh, you know was the inspiration but COVID actually wasn't the inspiration the inspiration this, I mean this has been a, a conversation for a long time and part of that stems around the idea that more and more people are resorting to online education for various reasons. Um, you know, some students, you know, as we found during COVID, thrive in an online environment um, for whatever reason, whether it's they feel less inhibition or they feel more comfortable or um, so. So we started talking about doing this online school and then COVID hit. And then we recognized that a not only is it sort of something that's needed, but it's something that can be done well. And we recognize, and Danielle, I'll let you speak a little more to this. We recognized, especially during COVID, that there's some things that work really well and there's some things that don't work really well. And so what we you know, decided to do was to try to move forward with this project, but do it in a very deliberate way. And I mean that in the, in the sense that what many schools did over COVID is they were being responsive and they're saying, okay, what can I do as a short-term solution while I can't be in brick and mortar, right? What we've attempted to do and what we are doing is we're doing something that's very deliberately designed for the online student and it's meant for those kids, again, that I mentioned that have found that they thrive in an online setting, but also for the students, the many students out there in the world that don't have access to Montessori at the secondary level. I mean, as we mentioned, it's most commonly known as a three to six year old program. And so there are elementary programs, but there are quite few secondary programs. So we wanted to do this to provide a Montessori education for the many students out there that don't have a don't have access to Montessori in terms of their geographic location or for some families and again like we have a quite a few well not quite a few students but we have some students that have lifestyles that don't lend themselves to you know being in school being in one set geographic location for nine months out of the year and mm -hmm. so this is an option for families that you know we have one student who uh, um, is interested you know the families right now with COVID obviously things are a little interesting but they want to spend uh, a good part of their year in the Middle East and that part of their year in the United States. And so in most schools, unless you're transitioning from one school to another school, that's, that's challenging. And they're also looking for the continuity of a learning community, so that means other students, and also guides that are not gonna be different from here to there. So, so we decided to move forward, and, um, and the rest, as they say, is history. And so we've been working with Danielle and Emily in particular, and a couple others, to really just develop it. So. I, that's where we're at. Emily, what I mean, not, sorry, not Emily. Danielle, what else do you have to share to that? Well, I'd love to, maybe Danielle, if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love to, um, in particular, if we could dive into kind of painting a picture of what, you know, what that's going to look like, that online learning experience. How, how are you trying to make it 
from day one, this beautiful experience that doesn't feel like, you know, a zoom drain. Um, you know, what, 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 you know, what would a typical, what would a typical day look like in the life of a, a student at Bridgemont? Sure. Well, when, um, when Emily and I were, were coming up with the concept, it was uh, a fun undertaking. It was like we were deconstructing Montessori so that we could reconstruct it. So it's like we were finding what were the, what were the reasons for doing this and do we need to do that here, um, or, or not? So I feel like we've, we've pieced together all the essential parts and, and in an online format, I mean, we talk about Montessori creating independence and freedom. Well, we don't, we don't get more than that in an online format. So uh, I actually feel this is playing to our strengths. So let's just maybe talk about, you know, a day in the life of Bridgemont International. So it would start, I mean, there's we have two guides for seventh and eighth grade. And of course, we're this year focusing on the United States. So that's, you know, four time zones. So uh, Emily and I will both have... I'm sorry to interrupt. By focusing on the United States, you mean we're our, our, our first group that we're working with is United States. So we're only we're limiting our, our student population to the continental United States. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Gotcha. For this year, we'll we'll expand, right? It'll be beautiful. Uh, but Emily will have her office hours in the morning, and that's just anyone who needs help, anyone who needs to talk. So that will really cater to just anyone sort of on the eastern portion of the United States. And I'm out here in Albuquerque, so I'll take sort of I'll have my time in the evening or, or late afternoon. Um, and so in that way, where the guides are available at times that will work at flexible times where anyone can come and get extra help. Uh, and then we have a core time. So uh, in Montessori, we talk about having extended work periods of 90 minutes, and that's what we use. Uh, Emily will be teaching history and language, and I'll be math and science. So there'll be core times, 90 minutes with Emily, where all of the students need to be present. So this is a time where we're together as a community. Emily will lead them in discussions or maybe a little lesson and then say, these are based on this lesson. These are the assignments that need to be done this week. Do them in any order. Uh, ask questions. So this is sort of the structure of this was this is what needs to be done. And I'm right here. But now freedom. Go and do this and um, and work together as groups or work individually. There's a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, and then in the afternoon, they would have their core time with me and we'd cover math and science and same sort of thing. So there's what we've really pieced together is a, is just a lovely framework where we've provided this very clear structure. Um, but within that structure, they have choice and they really need to make some decisions. And in making the decisions, there's a lot of learning happening. So for example, if they don't care for math, and they say, I'm not going to do any of my math until Thursday because I don't like math. And then Thursday comes and, well, that wasn't a very good decision. And and now they're in office hours because, good, my goodness, there's too much math. So then the next week, the hope is, okay, well, maybe I'll make a different decision. So there's there's right. life life skills happening sort of all over the place built into the structure we've created. Okay. And... Um, 
what would some of the, and in terms of that online experience for, uh, from a Montessori perspective, um, you know, what, what, I guess, what, what are some of the things, how do you bring out like that, um, that Socratic method or just the other things that, that really make that experience, uh, alive, I guess, versus just sitting, sitting back and, you know, listening to another lecture, sure, on, sure. you know, a math topic or whatever. Yeah. Well, first of all, our lessons based on brain science cannot last longer than 20 minutes because that's how long the adolescent brain, maybe the adult brain, can pay attention and be focused on one thing. So uh, the lessons that we give tend to be uh, shorter and they're, they're very broad. It's more like this is the information that you need to have. And now these assignments and the choices you have are the things that will you will delve into it based on the complexity of these assignments that we then give. So it's really not me explaining every little thing. It's me giving you a broad opening. And then throughout the week, by the end of the week, they have delved in and gone down different rabbit holes that interest them. So they've come to, at the end of the week, a different angle of understanding on the same topic, which is really beautiful. And um, so after that initial lesson, which tends to happen on Mondays, uh, then the follow-up would be, now let's talk. So it's really what Robin's talking about with these discussions. And the discussions, uh, of course, helps them to practice not only speaking up, which is scary in seventh and eighth grade and beyond and as an adult. So we're, we're really honing some skills that uh, I wish I wish I had learned in seventh grade. And we're learning I can disagree with someone else and be respectful about it. And um, and if I don't understand, I can ask for help and I can ask for follow up. And um, and this is where this amazing growth. This is what we see as the growth. Fantastic. Who? No, go, go ahead. The only the only other thing I would add, and this is a, and I'm adding it because I often uh, I don't want to say I get in arguments with Montessorians, but in Mon in many Montessori training programs, there's actually a something called Socratic dialogue, which is a deliberately sort of designed, um, you know, time where guides, Montessori guides would engage students and like, it's kind of like ethics, like you come to that and the whole purpose is discussion. But I actually very much believe that even with much younger students that, <coughs> excuse me, Socratic dialogue can exist in almost every lesson. And I think that as students get older, that discussion piece, going into a lesson with higher thinking questions to engage them and not just like, I mean, if you think about something like plate tectonics and you're talking about Alfred Wegener, you know, that's cool to know what plate tectonics were and Alfred and who Alfred Wegener was, but like having them think about this idea and discuss why, why people back in that time would have thought that Alfred Wegener, that his theory was crazy and how would, how might that even affect you as a scientist with these original ideas? Like, so engaging them in Socratic dialogue can happen almost anywhere. And so I think that's like, that's a really important learning tool that we use in Montessori. So that's, yep. uh, sorry, that was a little, uh, clearly I'm a little bit, uh, a little, little bit interested in that. that. Yeah. A little bit passionate about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, that no, resonates with, with me very much as well. So thank you for, for, you know, clarifying that. I'm just curious too. I mean, for, for, for Bridgemont, um, who, who would you say is like your ideal student or, or family? I mean, I'm sure it's not a fit for, for everyone. So who do you, who are you looking for to, 
Daniel, can I take this one? I'm like, this is, again, another one that, like, I get really excited about. So many Montessori schools have this notion that, okay, if they haven't gone to Montessori school and they didn't start when they're three, that they're not going to be able to catch up. Or not, not catch up, but they're not going to be a good fit. I disagree with that. I think that there are many students out there, many families out there that have never heard the word Montessori and certainly don't know what it is, but that they think in a Montessori way and they have basic like principles of respect and how one ought to learn and what they value in education that make them ideal Montessori candidates. So again, what does that mean? That means families, and again, when we're looking at our perfect child, I think you ask who's a perfect student, it's not just about the student. They need to be families that want something different, students that want something different for their education, they want to engage in this this different path, um, and also they have to be they have to be kind. That's a, like, I, I, I use that word, and they have to be respectful. That is the number one deal breaker. We can take students, especially adolescent students. We don't expect a student to be perfect. We know that adolescents, even if they're the nicest kid, they're going to say something snarky. They're going to, we get that. But fundamentally, they have to be people that are not, that, that aren't about making other people feel bad about themselves. And that's such an issue in adolescence right now. So again, we can work with things. I mean, kids are going to say something that's gonna hurt another student's feeling, but they can't fundamentally be somebody that that is okay hurting other people's feelings. They have to be kind. And again, those families have to be people that, or have to be families that want something different because what we are doing is different. You know, again, if you're, if you're for lack of a better term, a helicopter parent, and you wanna know exactly what your child's doing every minute of the day, and how do they compare to the, you know, the 500 other kids in their class, that's fine to each their own, but that's not what we're about. And, right. and, and also, we're not going to just spend time on the academic piece, and we haven't talked about that. I mean, a lot of our program is going to be, uh, well, included in our program are things like internships. So every year, they're going to have the opportunity to work in their community, and they're going to be very much involved in designing what that experience looks like. They're going to be uh, uh, engaged in entrepreneurial ex- like. Um, pursuits. So what does that mean? That means learning about financial independence, not the typical, oh, I'm going to learn how to balance my checkbook. But no, I'm going to come up with an idea and I'm going to have to explain how this idea solves this problem and I'm going to try things and I may fail and that's okay. But, you know, they're going to have to be involved in that. Same thing with physical education. They're going to be required to do physical education. That does not mean taking your cell phone and going and playing virtual kickball every day, but it means, okay, I want to come up with a goal. I want to come up with a plan and I want to try to follow through with that plan. And if that plan and, 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 and meet that goal, and if I don't succeed, that's also fine. But, um, but I'm going to be much more involved in, in designing it and then evaluating how things are working. And so for some people, that's not going to answer the question or address the question of how does my kid get the best SAT score to get into the best college of their choice. And so it has to be families that want something different for their kids and value these other experiences in addition to the academic piece. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that makes that makes total sense, and appreciate you um, making that making that clear. Um, so, just as we kind of wrap up here, is there anything else you'd like to um, share with the parents who are listening out there? And also, I guess I'm curious: um, Are you still accepting applications for this year? I mean, I know it's just school is just right around the corner. So, um, is that still a possibility for parents? Or yeah, yeah. So we have, um, and we didn't really talk about this, but I, I think it's important. And that's something. So this. This project, Bridgemont International School, 
is a collaboration of a couple of different Montessori organizations. One in particular is the Center for Guided Montessori Studies. And that's actually a Montessori teacher education program that has, uh, it's actually one of the larger ones right now, and that trains Montessori teachers throughout the world. So we, our, our funding and our sort of our philosophical framework came from them. And when we started developing it, we, we made the decision that, you know, even though we were getting interest from other parts of the world and people wanted to do drop-ins and that sort of thing, like, oh, I just want to take math, we made a decision to very deliberately start small with just 7th and 8th grade. So this year we're only doing it in 7th and 8th grade. And we want, to, we want to stay small enough that we can actually do it well and be... be I'll use the term mobile enough that as we're learning what works well, that we can make changes as we go. And so, um, so we are accepting applications. Um, we, you know, our application process a little bit more in depth in that we want to spend time, of course, getting to know these families and getting to know these kids. Um, but but what, I, what I wanted to sort of share about that is we're really trying to do this deliberately and well thought out and really figure out what is the best way to meet the needs of these kids. And um, so I think that that's sort of what I wanted to share and just sort of my appreciation for, and I'll sort of say this now because, again, I want more people to hear it, my appreciation for Danielle and Emily in particular and Anita, my team has been working really hard to to put together a program that not only is sort of well thought out but is really, you know, going to accomplish what we what we talked about today, which I think is going to be a really wonderful program for students. and. I'm just really excited. That's that's all I want to share, Danielle. What else? What else do you want to share? I guess I would just say that uh, we have been working hard, and uh, as the school year approaches, this is the first time I've been going into a school year where I haven't felt stressed, <laughs> where I actually just feel very, very excited. Uh, the the team, it's just genuine people. We just, we love this and we can't wait to, to get going and share it. Fantastic. Um, and so can, can, uh, can families still apply for this upcoming year or are you, are you, yeah, so, now, or? no, so we, we do have some spots. And so if, well, certainly you can apply. And so you go to our, our website, um, uh, bridgemontschool.com and you can, the application is an online application and it, everything is there that will sort of guide you through getting the right documents but what i would what i would say to any of your families that are that are even interested if you heard something today that struck you and you want to learn more please just reach out i mean again as i've mentioned this is much more than just hey let me pay a fee get in go to school pay it this is a relationship it's a conversation and so if you're interested in even learning more or potentially seeing if it's a good fit for your child, just reach out uh, to us. All the emails are on the website. And, and then if it turns out that it's the right school for your child, we'd love to get them in for this year and or next year. Fantastic. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation for me and I'm sure for, for all the everyone who's, who's listening out there. I'm really excited for what, for what you're doing and for, you know, ultimately for serving our kids and a future generation and helping them you know, become their best selves and, and create a world that we can all live and thrive in. So uh, we'll definitely have to uh, check back in perhaps in, in a year from now when you've had this first uh, year experiment and uh, compare notes and see how that how that went. That'd be great. Uh, awesome. Uh, thanks, Danielle. Thanks, uh, Robin, for, for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure.